Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Hey guys, how are we all? I think this is my favourite service, this service. So cool, I even love this little pulpit, if that's what you call it. It's a great little setup, isn't it? So welcome to church, everybody. If you don't know, my name's Daniel Urquhart. Um, and I'm here to talk to you today about the most important factor in the kingdom of God. What about that? Sounds like a good topic. So what I need you to do though is to close your eyes and work with me for a little second as we um, paint the picture a little. So yeah, close your eyes. So what I want you to do, I want you to picture yourself winding up a rocky hill. It's only a small track. And uh, as you're walking up, you're walking up there slowly because the rocks are moving under your feet. And in some areas, you're having to slow right down and, and put your hands in front of yourself and pull yourself up in the next section of the track. Um, you stop for a moment, you look around, you look back over your shoulder, and all you can see is shrubby bushes and trees and tufts of grass growing through the rocks. So you turn back to the track and keep pushing up the hill. You're only on the track for a couple of minutes longer on this rock, when this rocky track breaks out into an open, grassy field. It's the most amazing view, surrounded by mountains and lush green grass. And as you stand there for a moment, catching your breath, you're so excited that you've made it to the top, and you're so excited that this field is yours. You guys all that pictured in your mind? Yeah? It's the best way, isn't it, to be able to visualise things, is just to put yourself in the place. Now, that field is you. And one of the most important factors in the kingdom of God is you. You are the important factor in the kingdom of God. So your life is an open field that God uses to outwork, to feed, to look after his kingdom. And the fruit that we cultivate in that field, the field of our lives, is what God uses to feed his kingdom. And God depends on the fruitfulness of our lives. And as much as he loves us, he can only use us to the degree that that field bears fruit. Now, before I push any longer, do we, am, I, am I in the zone? Do you guys get what I'm talking about? I'm not just talking about fields and rocks and grass. We're talking about our lives as Christians. You know, that, that we take ourselves with us wherever we go. And the kingdom of God dwells inside of us and God uses our lives to feed his kingdom to feed the people of his kingdom you know if um, God is going to express love on the earth he's going to express love through you so when we are loving we are actually bearing fruit we are bearing fruit just as much as when we're not loving we're not bearing fruit and and Jesus talks a lot about bearing fruit and sometimes and why this is important to understand is because sometimes we wait for God to do things through our lives. We wait for God to turn up. We even get frustrated at God because he hasn't turned up at times. And who's ever felt that? But what Jesus talks so much in the word of God is that um, you reap what you sow. It's cause and effect. So, of course, um, this is a parable that Jesus talked about. He talked about the, the parable of the sowers and the soil. But there's a lot of other parables as well. But most of them will always be a cooperation between God and us. 
So you guys would have heard, of course, about the, um, the parable of the, the guy who, who's got the field, goes and he finds a treasure in the field. And then he had to firstly decide that that treasure was worth it. And then he had to decide to sell everything that he had to buy it. So there's a real cooperation there and there's a pearl of great prize. A guy's looking for a pearl of great prize. He finds and recognises that this pearl is of great worth and sells everything he has to buy it. Again, it's, a, it's us understanding what we have. We have a massive treasure. We have a massive treasure in God. So I'm not saying for a second that we are the most important thing in the universe and that, you know, and that, um, you know, that we can do anything about God. What I'm saying is, is that unless we understand the vital importance that we are in the kingdom of God, we're never going to sell everything for it. We're never going to um, bear the fruit that we could potentially bear because we don't understand the importance that we are in the kingdom of God. Listen to Hebrews 6. So Hebrews 6 uh, verse 7 says this, For the land that has drunk the rain in, often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated. Let me read that again. For the land that has drunk in the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful for those whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed. And in the end, it will be burned. So we are the field. We are those for whose sake it is cultivated. So our field is where God cultivates the food for his kingdom. This thing's going to trip me up. If I fall over, I don't want anyone laughing at me, right? Um, and this is the way the kingdom of God operates. God uses the fruitfulness of our lives to help enrich the lives of others. And so whose responsibility is it? The Bible talks about rain falling on a field and it, and it might picture two fields side by side. One makes the best of the rain. One makes the best of the opportunity and then the other field um, has the rain, the same amount of rain fall on it and yet it doesn't cr- produce a crop. And this, this parable is about the responsibility of the land to make sure that it produces that crop. And again, if we think about sometimes how we think about the kingdom of God, we think about God and, and we want him just to turn up and do this stuff in our life. And what Jesus is saying is um, that I've given you everything. There's another scripture and it says that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Now, this isn't a, isn't a tough word because it goes on to say in this same, in this same scripture, it says, um, short of being um, an unfruitful um, block of land, it says this, though we speak in this way, in your, yet in your case, beloved, we're sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust, so as to overlook the work and the love that you have shown for him in his name by serving the saints. And as you still do, and as we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So what, what God's saying here is, is that he doesn't look at us and go, are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? It's not as if God is looking over our shoulder trying to um, just to whip our back like a slave owner might. What he's, what he's done is he's actually given us a gift and that gift is our lives and that is our faith. 
And one of the kingdom principles is this, is that everything that God does, He first sows into us. And when we see it as precious and we hold on to it long enough, it starts to come out of us. Isn't this what Jesus said when He says that streams of living water will flow out of you? But first, you had to have taken something into you. You know, the kingdom principle is you reap what you sow. And I love this scripture because it says, it says for you guys, it says, we speak in a better way. In your case, we're sure of better things for you, belonging to salvation. But again, it comes back down to us and our desire and our willingness to work with God. But what I would say is key is this. It comes back to us understanding how precious our lives are. That open field that you just climbed up the hill to get to, that's your gift to the world. That's your gift in the kingdom of God. And one of the ways the enemy tries to devalue us and tries to knock us off course is to make you feel like you're not worth anything, that you can't produce anything, that other people are better than me or other people can do this, but I can't do much. Everybody's an open field. And let's not wait for God to, to, um, to bring to us what we think we need. The Bible says, sow it. What, what is it that you, that you desire? If you need to look into something, if you need to understand something, the word of God that you put in is the word of God that he says will definitely come out. Um, and it's a patience game. It's a waiting game, of course. But you are destined, you are purposed to bear much fruit in the kingdom of God. You guys are an open field and you can sow and you can reap whatever you want. And I just love the scripture and it says, but in your case, we're believing for much of things. Good fruit. Jesus says in another parable, he says, um, around the parable of the soils, and he says that, that some people bear 10, 50, and 100 fold. Isn't that an amazing thing? That the field of our lives could feed into the, to the lives of others. You guys are an amazing part of the kingdom of God and what he's trying to do on the earth. And any time that you'd feel that, we have a decision to make. Because we don't want to be bearing fruit by believing lies, we want to be bearing fruit by believing the truth. Those moments in time where you don't feel like you really do much for the kingdom or you really are much for the kingdom, you've got to stand your ground and go, this is my field and I'm going to sow into this and people are going to come here and people are going to eat from this and I'm going to be um, a key part in, in God's kingdom. Are we cool with that? Sound good? Very good. Good on you guys. So what we do in this part of the service, if you don't know, is we take the word scriptures that Dan has just talked to us about or the concepts that he's just talked to us about and we dive into how we take that forward into our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday. And so I want to get really practical with you this morning. And if you don't know me, I should probably introduce myself. My name is Trish Moore. I am the operations pastor here, but I think I know most of you. So that's really fun. Cool. Okay, so I'm actually going to take um, a little piece of what Dan was talking about, this concept of sowing and reaping, and this idea that we can harvest, um, you know, we can sow something and we end up with a harvest for God. Um, take that and look at it through the lens of Galatians 6, 9, which says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So obviously we are God's hands and feet 
here on earth, called others and to build them up. In fact, the Lord expects us to intentionally look for ways to show his love, right, to anyone, to both um, fellow believers and people we meet in the world each and every day. But as humans, is anyone else human (laughs) here today, if you are living and breathing and you're in this room, you're human, we only have finite amounts of physical, emotional and mental energy. Has anybody else else met, been introduced to their limits? Yes, good. (laughs) So no matter how strong our desire to serve God, fatigue can set in after a while. And if it seems like our work isn't making a difference, um, then discouragement is actually something that we need to be careful of as well. So, uh, you know, this might be true for a few of us as the year comes to a close and um, Christmas and the end of school pressures come into play. And, you know, it's been a long 2020. Is anybody with me? Although sometimes I feel like it's a short 2020 because none of the major milestones happened. I'm still waiting for them to happen, but most of the time I feel like it's been a long year. So I thought we might spend some time on this this morning and and look at, okay, we want to reap a harvest. We want to sow into good soil. We want to do stuff and partner with God, but I also want to do it well. I want to do it with a little bit of joy in me. I don't want to be dragging my feet um, and and feel like I've to the plow to my own shoulders, right? So today we're going to talk about how we do that. The Apostle Paul understood the dilemma. He often found himself at the point of exhaustion and confessed his struggles at these low moments. Yet, he always rebounded, um, determined to continue following God's call on his life. And he urged his his readers to make the same choice. So I love that he was real enough with us to go, oh, okay, this is common human experience. It's hard, we get tired. Normal. Has anyone ever felt guilty about that though? Like when it comes to like, oh God, sorry, I I did that with a crummy attitude or I did that dragging my feet or it's actually normal human experience. Um, But I love that he rebounds. I love that each and every time he goes, yep, that's me, but you know what? I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to continue to live life like this. Um, he, he urges us forward in Hebrews 12 when he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, whenever I've read Paul's accounts, I've marveled actually at his ability to find new strength in the midst of tiredness and even depression. And, you know, he had things a lot tougher than me on any given day. <laughs> okay. So um, the fact that he can do it leads me to believe if he can do it, I can do it. The word weary and how it feels physically is pretty familiar to us, I think. The Webster Dictionary defines it as exhausted in strength, endurance, vigor, or freshness. So I think there's like a whole load of different levels there that you might be able to identify with. And as we reach this, um, as we reach that place, negative emotions can develop there. Um, And it goes on to say, It's having one's patience, tolerance, or plot exhausted. So interestingly, two Bible translations of Galatians 6.9 highlight this connection. The Amplified Bible reads, let us not grow weary or become discouraged. And the Message Bible says, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. So as we go about doing good as Jesus did. We have to remember to balance serving others with times of rest in God's care, and Dan alluded to that. 
After all, Christ's work on the cross brought us freedom. But as he wrote, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> so spend some time on you too. Paul's instruction is valid today as it was when he put it on paper. There's no shortage of needy people around us, and we have chances every day to bless them in Jesus' name. But before we step out, it's important to keep two things in mind. One is that our motive is to show God's love so that he will get the glory. Number two is that our strength comes from God, not from our own personal reserve. So I want to take a look at a really practical way we can address the problem of weariness and change our perspective on it. So I don't know about you, but this time of year, I can fall into the trap of becoming quite reactive to my circumstances or to my calendar. <laughs> so as things arise that we need to do, I react and I often end up feeling overwhelmed or overworked or with split attention and I lose my sense of peace in the season of peace. Ironic, isn't it? Well, Dr. Carolyn Leaf has spent the last 30 years researching the mind-brain connection of mental health and the formation of memory. She was one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change with neuroplasticity. She's a very smart cookie and has lots of big words, uh, but what I love about her is she's a Christian researcher who has a great deal of credibility in this field. So the advice this morning comes directly from her. Um, she's studied recently how to, how to see a shift in power away from being reactive to busy seasons and stressful circumstance and toward proactively aligning our thinking and our actions with what we want them to be. Does that sound good? Because I think we all have great intentions, but our energy is the problem. So for me, if I don't want to become weary in doing good, then it's actually really important that I don't think of doing good as a really wearisome thing to do. You know what I mean? I need to not approach it with an attitude of trying to fit it in. Right? Is anyone else feeling this way? Thank you. <laughs> um, I need to actually see it as the privilege that it is. It's an opportunity to partner with God in loving his people. But depending on my season and the pressures that I'm facing, this balance can be hard for me to manage. And that's where my thoughts and pattern of thinking can be the key to me feeling weary about doing good or not. In fact, it's a sowing and reaping all of its own. If I sow negative thoughts around this area of my life, then I will reap a feeling of being tired every time I do it. Right? And I'll lose that sense of privilege and I'll grow tired of doing good. And that's not what I want to do. So Dr. Leaf says that we can go three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen. Has anyone ever noticed that 333 thing before? This is my first time. I was like, wow. <laughs> three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without oxygen. But she says we can't go three seconds without our minds actually working. Even those of us who feel like it's a blank slate in there some days, it's doing things, okay? <laughs> it's really doing things. We are always thinking, feeling, and choosing. And this act of thinking, feeling, and choosing is actually a physical energy force that moves through your brain, and your brain changes in response to that energy. And this is called neuroplasticity, which then influences every cell of your brain and your body. How cool is that? 
Um, but also how crazy that our thinking and our attitudes and our choices might have such a powerful influence on everything else that we then experience and feel. So management of our minds means we can experience all types of seasons without growing weary of doing good, managing it well. We can remain empowered to choose to do good rather than just react with the energy we have left over. We can move from reactive to proactive responses that align with what we believe is important. The Bible refers to this as taking our thoughts captive. Because let's be honest, if, if it were up to my reactive, raw human self, we would, going back to Galatians 5, use our freedom to indulge the flesh rather than serve one another. We'd look after our own needs, right? If it was just about us. But the Bible makes a point to tell us to do otherwise because we probably need to be reminded and told to do otherwise. <laughs> we need to do it differently. Our nature defaults to taking care of ourselves. So this idea that we might live differently is so important for us to embrace if we want to see the gospel get bigger and people to feel the love of God. So how do we do it? How do we keep attitudes in check and change natural tendencies? How do we keep weariness from creeping in and robbing us from something God has asked us to do and partners with us in? Well, Dr. Leaf has a five-step process that sounds really simple, but it's actually been scientifically proven to improve negative thinking, anxiety, and depression by 81%. So, like actually scientifically proven, not just a Google, um, you know, stat, made up stat. <laughs> um, and these, these steps can be applied to any negative experience, but today we're going to look at them from the perspective of not feeling weary about something that should actually make us feel really excited. So step number one, I think it's going to come up on the screen. Yeah, so this is called the neurocycle. Step number one is we gather. We embrace what is making you weary. So this is information, okay? So if you're feeling weary, it's actually stopping. I know this sounds really simple, but scientifically proven by someone smarter than me, okay? So <laughs> um, <coughs> it's information. So you go, okay, you know what? I'm really weary with doing good right now. I'm going to be honest with myself. This is a lot. I don't feel like doing it right now. I'm going to pause and go, okay, this is information. It's not bad in itself. It's a signal warning us of a disequilibrium in how we are. The minute you slow and consider it and name it and identify it, you increase blood flow from your heart to your brain. You now have more oxygen in your brain, which activates the flow of neurochemicals. And then the neurobiological systems that handle stress are switched on. They're engaged and they're working for you instead of against you. What? And this is all stuff she can see with a doodad. <laughs> I'm sure it's something more important than that. But <laughs> um, so just by shifting your attitude and saying, okay, I embrace the feeling of weariness. I acknowledge that I am. All of those things happen. Just incredible. So, what is, so we're asking ourselves, what is the message of this weariness that I'm feeling right now? So step number two, we reflect. So we've named it. We're actually now going to start to, um, to name it more specifically. So I'm weary because blank. Okay, I'm weary because. And there you be as specific as you can and you ask yourself questions like why. Discuss, with you, discuss it with yourself for a minute or two. What am I feeling when I feel this way in my body? 
What am I thinking in my mind when I feel this way? Analyze it. Am I taking on too much? Or is it that I'm doing it from a place of pride? Am I just people pleasing? Or am I submitting to what God has asked me to do? Have I stepped outside grace zone? Am I recharging myself in the midst of my busy? Um, Do I just need to sleep? (laughs) Am I spending time with God and doing good works out of the supply that he gives me? Or am I running on my reserves? These are all questions that we ask in this reflect step. Number three, we write it down. Now, some of you, can I have raised hands for those who journal and like, that's your natural bend, I'm gonna write it down, that's easy. Cool, okay, the rest of us, it's like, that's not really natural for me to do, I don't really want, I'm just gonna skip that step because I can think it in my brain and I've thought it and that's good enough, right? Apparently not, not my, not, this is, the professional talking, okay, so um, we have to write it down. We externalize the internalized. So as you write it down, this activates a flow in the brain that will help you look at things more deeply. And what it actually does by writing it down and having it seen and going through that process, physically doing it, it weakens the networks in the brain, making them more malleable. How, what? <laughs> so making them more movable and changeable, and they're now in a state of being able to be changed. Wow. So they can be rebuilt in a new and healthier way. So write it down. Number four, we retrack. And this is like an autopsy of the brain that doesn't cut you open. <laughs> Look back at what you have written and what, then, uh, what you can then do is kind of visualize your worst case scenario and then go into solution mode. Okay, so this is what could happen if I do not do anything about it. Think about that and then write two or three solutions to your weariness. This builds networks in your brain like a lattice. So each of these steps are building resilience into your brain and each step is taking you deeper and deeper. And writing down a plan of attack in this step, deal with your weariness now that you've examined the root cause, will help you build a game plan so you aren't feeling helpless and reactive to how you've been feeling. So do I feel spiritually worn out? If so, it's time to refill the tank. How am I going to do that? Well, Jesus went away to spend time alone with his father. We can do the same. That's an example of a game plan. Um, I'm going to do quiet time in his word and prayer. That's just another way of getting spiritually recharged. It's the problem. Does my body need a break? You know, everyone runs out of steam eventually. What signs does your body give you that it needs attention? Um, Being willing to stop and learning how to let down for a bit can do a lot to refresh us physically. Is that your game plan? Do I feel overwhelmed by the task? You know, we're designed for relationship and that applies to ministry work as well. So if you're overwhelmed by the task, share the labor, include others, build relationships. And you know what? That actually has a greater impact on our church family and the world around us because it's more than just you. You don't have to do it alone. Is that your game plan? Step number five is called active reach. Active reach. This step is all about applying the action plan. So the more you use it, the stronger the neural pathways get. This changes the way your brain structure grows and means that over time, this new way of living becomes your default action. There's an anchoring principle in this step. So what we do is we define the hope that you see that's been identified for you in God's word. So in this case, it's that if you sow, you'll reap. 
If you sow, you'll reap. If you don't grow weary and don't succumb to giving up and walking away from what God has called you to do, then you will reap a harvest in proper time. There's your promise. There's your hope. So we anchor ourselves to this hope and remind ourselves of it each time we have the opportunity to help another person or to do good work that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And this lifts our perspective and it changes our attitude. It creates a strong brain structure that's built on that promise. How cool is that? You can build a brain structure that's built on the Word of God and what He promises. And with that, you'll have joy attached to it instead of weariness attached to it whenever you access it. How cool is that? You can show you feel about doing something that you do. Um, Pastor Stephen Furtick puts it this way. Don't walk away from your hope and miss your harvest because you can't see the seeds you put in the ground. It's so important to discover how to have balance physically, spiritually, and emotionally so that you'll have the strength to be a blessing to others, to plow the field, to accomplish your life purpose. And while you're doing it, to actually feel a little bit of peace and maybe even a little bit of joy while you go about partnering with God to do things that he's prepared in advance for you to do. So I hope that you've, um, I've given you some tools to do that well today. If you need more information on, on this, on Dr. Carolyn Leaf's strategies, she's got a new book coming out called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. You don't need to be in a complete mental mess to, <laughs> to buy the book. <laughs> um, but I would totally recommend that if that's something that you want to do. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.